0: Following audio is for Emanuel Baptist Church. More information about Emmanuel is available at our website, www.myemmanuel.net. Good morning. Good to be with you today. Grab your Bibles with me if you would. Grab uh, uh, Hebrews chapter 10 as we continue in our study together. Lots going on. Hopefully you've had a good summer. If you're like me, you're kind of thinking the summer is just about over. You didn't do half of what you wanted to get done. Got almost little of the work done I needed to get done. Is it just me? Anyone? No? A few people can relate to me. The rest of you apparently get more done than I do in a day. But uh, glad that you're with us here today. As we study our word together, We see so many common themes um, throughout, not just the New Testament, but sort of some commonalities in how the New Testament writers are writing. We often see some summary statements constant throughout. In fact, 1 John, our life group just studied 1 John, and it was amazing how many repetitions, how many repetitions God spoke through John to give to us. So we see that same commonality today. Well, today, we are talking about the will of God. How many of you have ever thought in your mind, or maybe you've even asked out loud over coffee with a friend, or said something to the, to the effect of, man, I just wish that I knew God's will for my life. Anybody? Anybody ever have that experience before? Yeah, we often do that. Now, there's a couple of different things that we often think. Sometimes we think to ourselves, I'm sorry about that. We sometimes think, um, man, I'd sure love to know what, what the purpose of my existence is, but, but typically when we ask that question, it's usually what we mean is, I want to know what God wants me to do in this area, okay? Well, I want you to know, as it pertains to the idea of God's will, he has made it clear to us. Uh, just just to be plain spoken this morning, uh, when we don't know his will, it's because we have not sought it out and we haven't read our scripture in that area. And I'm not saying that as a mean thing. I'm just saying sometimes we don't know what the word says. The Bible's very, very clear. So when we come away with today, you're going to walk away knowing this is the will of God in my life today. So hang tight on that one. But if you've got uh, Hebrews chapter 10 open, excuse me, let's begin in verse 1. The writer of Hebrews says this in chapter 10 verse 1. He says, for since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come instead of the true form of these realities, it can never, by the sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. Now, we'll explain these in just a minute. He says, "...otherwise they would not have ceased to be offered since the worshipers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sins. But in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year, for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins." So we see the writer of Hebrews is using these four verses to summarize the first nine chapters of Hebrews in understanding the purpose of the law and the sacrificial system as it pertains to the new covenant in Christ Jesus. And it's very imperative that we understand these things because he says, listen, the shadow, uh, the law was a shadow of the good things to come. So let's do a quick review. What do we learn about the Old Covenant so far in Hebrews? First we learned is this. The Old Covenant was meant to be a picture and a foreshadowing, okay? The Old Covenant was not meant to be the system forever and ever and ever. Sometimes we, we disjoin the Old Testament and the New Testament too much, and we begin to think that, that the Old Testament was here and something was flawed and it didn't work, so God stopped and scratched his head and went to the drawing board and said, man, let's do something completely new. That's not true, actually, at all. The Old Testament is a foreshadowing of Christ. It's a foreshadowing. So as we see the Levitical system in the sacrifice and the offerings, we see that fulfilled in reality, the Scripture said. It's realized in Jesus. It's realized in Christ on the cross. And so it's really a foreshadowing. The second thing that we learn about our old covenant in in this book is that it could not become effectual just because of repetitiveness, and in fact, the repetition proves that there is no power. So let me walk you through that. Uh, So in the Old Testament, every year they had to make these sacrifices, right? And so the sacrifices covered sin, but it didn't take away sin, and it did it over and over and over and over. And so what was happening is it would be easy for us as humans, and we certainly see this in the Old Testament, that the believer would, would do these sacrifices over and over, and, and it would be there sort of, oh, I checked that off a list, I'm good now. But it had to happen all the time because it was not sufficient to, to take care of sins. Look what the Word says in verse 3. He says, Would they not have ceased to be offered since the worshiper, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sins? Uh, no. He says verse 3 there. Uh, that was verse 2. He said verse 3. But in these sacrifices, there was a reminder of sin. There was a reminder of sin. So, the repetition of the offerings, the sacrifices to God, showed that there was no power in the repetition of these religious actions. Does that make sense? Uh, quick little application this morning. Uh, that also means that the, our repetitious religious actions don't don't sanctify us and don't save us. There's one action that happened that saved us, and it's Jesus. And we'll come back to that in just a minute. But we learn that in the scripture, that these rep- repetitions do not make for effective spirituality. We see that it's impossible for the sacrifice of bulls and goats to take away sins. He says it very plainly in verse 4 it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. So let's look at it for a second. It's really important. So in the Old Testament, let's say this was my sin, okay? This was my sin. When the sacrifice of a, of, a, of a bull or a goat happened and the blood covered that, the blood covered the sin. But it didn't remove the sin, okay? It covered the sin. It's very important that we understand that. So it was still there. So that means every year you had to make that sacrifice because it was only covered. Now, we just had VBS a couple of weeks ago. You can't really tell by our set, Right? So we're going to do this together. The seniors at 8 o'clock kind of laughed at me. So if you laugh at me, you want to. I want you to put your hand just like this. Come on, don't be too cool for school. Don't be one of those people that's like, you know, everybody around me can do it, but I'm just way too sophisticated for VBS actions, okay? We're going to do this together. It's very important that we get this visual, okay? So this is Old Testament. Covered our sin, but it was still there. Need to be covered. In Christ. Tall finger is God. Short finger is us, right? Everybody put your hand like this. This is VBS. This is good stuff. And we put it through the middle. We karate chop it, but I'll spare you the karate chop, okay? Ah, you know, we sort of make an action of it. I love kids. It's the best. And so we see this separation between God and man, right? It's our sin. But he doesn't just cover that sin like we talked about. Jesus, through his redemptive work on the cross, he pulls that sin. Pull it out. Come on now. Put this relationship back together. But you know what he does? He throws that sin. Throw it. Throw it to your neighbor. Don't throw it to your neighbor, though. That's not very nice. (laughs) <laughs> Throw it your buddy across the way going, it's on you, mister, right? right. He throws it away. So the great truth of the New Testament is, is uh, Psalm 103 says that he throws our sin as far as the east is from the west, and he remembers our iniquities no more. So we see in the New Testament, the foreshadowing of the covenant, the old covenant system in Christ, the fulfilling of this, he doesn't cover our sin, he removes our sin. Amen? That's a good word right there. That's a good word from the scripture. So it's impossible for bulls and goats to take away our sin. That's why it's foreshadowing Christ. And we see that the Old Testament was a reminder that without Christ, we are still in our sins. Sometimes we wonder, why is there so many things in the Bible that seem so impossible? Let me make it clear for you. It's supposed to be impossible to prove to you that you need a Savior. We get hung up and go, I I'm just, I'm just going to throw my hands up because it's just too impossible to do what the Bible says. Uh-huh. That's the point, friends. That's that's literally, literally the absolute point, is to prove to you and to me, waving the white flag. I'm, I'm too sinful. I'm too weak. I cannot do this. I need a savior. That's the purpose. That's the purpose of that. So the old, old Covenant meant to draw us to this place where now we see the fulfillment of, of, of that atonement in Jesus. Okay? So we find ourselves in this, uh, in this understanding. He's reviewing that for us. And now he brings to light this idea that, okay, so now we're, we're redeemed in Christ. We're atoned. But what is the will of God? How do we process the will of God? So let's keep reading. In verse 5, he says, Consequ- uh, Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said this. We actually see this prophesied in Psalm 40, verses 6 through 8. He says, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. Remember, this is Jesus saying these things. And in burnt offerings and sin offerings, you have taken no pleasure. That's so interesting. Then Jesus said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. Verse 8. So when he said the above, quote, you have neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and burnt offerings, uh, uh, in offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings. These are offered according to the law. Then he added, behold, which means, wow, stop, look, examine. He says, behold, behold, I've come for this reason, to do your will. So he does away with the first in order to establish the second. And by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Everybody say the word all. just want you to get that in your head, once for all. Christ died for all. I believe that with all of my heart. So we see three times, three, three sort of connotations of this idea of will, God's will in Hebrews. Okay, The first is a covenant relationship. We see God's will as the covenant, the basis of our relationship. God saying, I will be your God, you will be my people, we together will be the family of God. It's a covenant relationship. We see this will as a last will and testament of sorts, which is a legal determination of who will receive the inheritance. We know that by His stripes we are healed. We know that through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, through repentance and faith in Him, we now inherit eternal life as a last will and testament. And then lastly, we see this will as a desire or purpose. A desire or a purpose, which is the assurance that each day meets the ongoing desires of the Lord. See, there's a big purpose will for our life that we're saved, okay? There's a big purpose will for our life that we have that covenant relationship with God, that we have the last will and testament, that heaven is our home when we die. But also, God desires that today we accomplish his will, that we accomplish his will today. Everybody say the word today. Today. Sometimes we think, "Well, well, you know, I'll get to it. You know, down the road, or when I read more Bible, or when I pray more, or when I don't have to work as much, and when I'm not so busy, and when my kids grow older, and win, when, win, when, win, when, win, win. But what God wants us to know today is hey, it's today. Today we're to do God's will. So, what does it mean to do God's will? Here's the first uh, section in your notes, uh, this little paragraph in your notes, and that is that all of God's will was demonstrated for us in his life, death, and his resurrection, the resurrection of of Jesus Christ. So consequently, there is no finding God's will outside of finding and obeying Christ. So if we're sitting here this morning thinking, man, I want to know God's will for my life, how do I know God's will? Number one, it's demonstrated in the gospel. Jesus demonstrated it when he says here, he says, behold, I have come to do your will. Remember Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane? He says, "Lord, if there's any way to have this cup pass from me, not my will, but yours be done, not my will, but yours be done." Jesus exemplified that for us, and as a result, we can find His will, but listen very carefully, we're not going to find God's will apart from knowing Christ and a part from obeying Christ. Obedience is key. Obedience is paramount. If we want to do God's will, we need to pursue knowing Jesus, pursue our relationship with him, not passively but actively. We need to obey him. We need to seek to obey him, therein do his will. Okay. So what do we learn then about this will of God? There are some factors and some facets that are very key. First is this, and that's that God's will is a spiritual thing accomplished in the physical realm. God's will is a spiritual thing accomplished in the physical realm. Uh, It's not something that we can do with just self-effort, okay? There's a spiritual thing. If you've got your Bible open, uh, hold your finger in Hebrews 10 and turn with me to Romans chapter 12. Paul read this a few weeks ago, but I think it's worth going back through yet again. Uh, Romans chapter 12 gives us some insight to this idea of the spiritual idea of God's will. So if you've got Romans chapter 12, we're going to begin reading in verse 1. He says, now, uh, this is the Apostle Paul writing. He says, I appeal to you, therefore. Some of the words says, I beseech you. Some of your Bibles say, I urge you. He's pleading. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. He's like, "I'm, I'm, I'm pleading with you because of this incredible mercy of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your, let's all say it aloud together, spiritual worship. Okay, It's our spiritual worship. What is our spiritual worship? Our spiritual worship is presenting obedience, presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. It is our spiritual worship. But we mentioned a minute ago that our spiritual worship takes place in the physical realm. So what does that look like? Verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world. That's the physical realm. Don't be conformed to the world, but be conformed transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect it's this beautiful formula how in the world do we know what God's will is for our life not just the big picture covenantal will how do we know what the daily today will of God is it begins by saying God my life is yours Okay, My life is yours. We present our bodies as living sacrifices to him. We let God transform and renew our minds. But it is a spiritual act of God. Number two, God's will is focused. Is a focused work of the Holy Spirit of God. It is a Holy Spirit work of God. When we think about doing God's will and we look at <clears throat> uh, Romans 12 and, and, and Hebrews 10, How do we present our bodies? How do we let our minds be renewed? How do we not be conformed to the image of this world? It's a work of the Holy Spirit of God. It's not human effort. See, so many of us have struggled to know God's will because if we're honest, we're doing it ourselves. Let me tell you something that that, that has scared me over the years as I've discovered this, and I hate to say it out loud, but it's true. You and I can do good things, spiritual things, apart from the Holy Spirit of God. Some of you are going, no, 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 that's not not true. Oh, yes, yes, yes. The Bible makes it very clear that we can be saved but grieving the Holy Spirit. The Bible makes it clear that we have to pursue walking in the Holy Spirit. There is a difference between being a born-again believer and walking in the Spirit, because that's a choice that we have to make. Am I going to walk in the Spirit or am I going to stand in my salvation? Okay, we have that choice to be made. And we have to recognize there are things in our life that we can do through human effort. We, we can pick up our Bible and read it without the Holy Spirit, okay? Nod your heads if you get them. We can do that. You can be living in a heap load of sin. Okay, let's just be honest. A lot of people sit in church and then they go and they cheat on their wife that week. They're they're in church. They're reading their Bible, but they're not walking in the Spirit. So we have to choose in our life to say, I want the Holy Spirit to do this work in my life. I want to know God's will. I want to know what is good and acceptable and right. I'm going to let the Holy Spirit go before me, right? I'm going to let what what, uh, Romans 8.21, I've got my notes there. He says that we're not held in bondage or slavery to sin anymore. We're not. It's the Holy Spirit's work that does that in our life, okay? i got to keep moving. Number three, God's will is this. There's two things that we see in in Scripture that are God's will. This is how you know it. It's very important. It's very key. First is this, that uh, our victory over sin. God's will is your victory over sin. We in Montana are classic for saying the phrase, well, that's just how I'm wired. That's just how God made me. Yeah, I know. He made me that way too, but that's not good enough. God says, listen, I love you so much that I know how you're wired and you're quirky and what your wife says about you is totally true and I I get it. God says, I get all that, but I don't want you to stay in it. It's not the gospel. It's like I love you so much that I'm going to grow you. I'm going to move you so that these things that you used to do, you don't do anymore. The person that you used to be, you're not that person anymore. He wants us to have victory over sin, which is obedience. Next, our sanctification. Our sanctification. That's God's will. Look at what it says here at the end of Hebrews chapter 10, verse 10. He says, by God's will, he's speaking of the will of Christ, he says, by God's will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. So we've been sanctified in that the Holy Spirit of God comes in and does a work in us, but we're also being sanctified. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3 says, This is the will of God for you, your sanctification. So let me, let's do a quick review because somebody might be going, I'm not really entirely sure what sanctification is. It's very simple. Sanctification is like this. When I think of sanctification, I think of a broom, Okay? You've got that utility room in your house, it's got the washer and the dryer, and it's got a bunch of stuff, and it's that room that you always close when you have company because you don't want them to see in there, okay? So it just gets a little dirty, it gets a little bit dusty, and there's boxes in there, and you get that lint from the dryer that kind of gets in there, and it gets bad, and <clears throat> you get busy with life and you do things until one day you open it up and you go, ooh, that's, that's kind of a bad room right there. So what do you do? You, you get the stuff out of the way, you grab that broom, and you begin to sweep out the corners that collected all that lint and the dust, until you were discovered, there's a floor that exists in this room. Any of you people that know me know that, that sometimes it's, it's an act of God that you can see the floor in my garage. That's a real thing. I'm told it's concrete. I'm not really sure. I've not seen it more than twice. But it's there, okay? Sanctification is God cleaning house. Spiritual growth. That's what sanctification is. It's God's way of saying, hey, I've taken you from here, but I want to grow you to here, I'm gonna grow your spiritual gifts. I'm gonna grow your affection. I'm gonna grow your love. I'm gonna grow your service. I'm gonna grow your prayer. I'm gonna grow your worship. I'm gonna grow your scripture knowledge. I'm gonna grow your application. I'm gonna grow your evangelism. God says, I wanna grow you and I wanna move you along. That's my desire for you. God's will in your life is for you to grow in your faith. So if you, if, you, if you decide to fall asleep, like check out, you're done for the day, listen to this before you snooze, God's will for your life today is that you would grow in your faith. That is God's will for your life, is that each and every day you'd pursue him to grow. It's like fitness, okay? How many of us can get fit by thinking about it, huh? Wouldn't that be awesome, by the way? What if you just watched those infomercials? Do you get fit by watching? Do you start feeling like you feel muscle when you watch an infomercial? Seriously, have you ever discovered that? You're watching an infomercial and you're like, I'm not so bad. Until you look down. You know, and you're like, oh my word. You don't, you don't get fit by watching. You get fit by doing. You get fit by each and every day you pick up a weight. And that weight is not the cookie pan, okay? It's, it's, it's a weight. How do we grow in our faith? We, we get fit every day. We pray to the Lord every day. We get in the word every day. Okay, confession time. I miss days. Do you? You don't? I'm like, only oh, it's just me, apparently. I miss days in the word. I'm not perfect. But the idea is that we pursue our spiritual growth each and every day. God wants to grow you. And listen, here's the connection point. You cannot do it on, spiritual effort, or on, on physical effort alone. Human effort is not enough for you to grow in God's will and grow in your faith. You and I need the work of the Holy Spirit. So when we pick up our word to read, we don't do it just in human effort. We go to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm about to read your word, and I'd love it if you would give me a word today. I'd love it if you would show me a truth today. I'd love it if you'd help me to understand your word today. I'd love it if you'd help me to, to focus in my prayer time today. I'd love for you to give me strength as I go into that coworker relationship that I just would rather wring his neck than pray for him. You, you, you pray and you pray, and you invite the Holy Spirit of God to be in and through your sanctification. I've got to keep moving forward. So here's the truth of our, our spiritual uh, growth in, in the, the, God, of the will of God, and that is this, that the will of God is actually an intrinsic knowing that flows from our hearts and minds, not an extrinsic knowledge attained through religious ritual. He just told us in chapter, in chapter 10, verses 1 through 4, that these years of religious ritual didn't take away sin. They brought back the remembrance of sin. So we don't need to bring in today and say, well, it's still got to be this external religious ritual that we do. Okay, there's something to be said for habit. The, the Bible tells us that Jesus said it was his custom and habit to go to church every week. That was his custom. It was his habit. That was a good thing to do. Okay? That's what Jesus did. But, but it's not the religious ritual that saves us or that helps us align to God's will. It's an intrinsic knowing that's not just head knowledge. It flows from the heart as well as the mind. The Gnostics were a group of people in the first century who didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. They, they believed that Jesus was the essence of God and the essence of knowledge of God, that he only brought, came to give us the knowledge of God. And the problem was the knowledge was what puffed them up into ignorance, into disobedience. So sometimes we find ourselves even 2,000 years later thinking that knowledge is the key. If I just read a few more books, if I can just sort of have some of the phraseology, if I can just drop the phrase super lapsarianism with somebody, they'll think I'm super spiritual, like anybody cares about that phrase. But what God is trying to say is, listen, it starts here. The will of God starts right here. It, our feet will not go where they need to go unless our heart starts where it needs to start. So if our feet want to do the will of God, let's get our heart right in the will of God where it needs to be. It's through an experience of knowing Jesus, not an external religious action. And lastly this morning, God's will is always, always connected to forgiveness. Always, always connect connected to forgiveness. He tells us in the Word today that he doesn't delight or desire sacrifice and burnt offerings. <clears throat> he desires the will of God. He says in verse 10, through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. That's what the will of God is. It's always connected to forgiveness. We, we live according to the will of God because he forgave, because he forgave us, not so that he'll forgive us. This is very important to get today. We don't live according to the will of God so that we're saved or so that God will love us. We live for the will of God because He loves us. Amen? It's because He's forgiven us, it's because of the gospel. If the gospel doesn't move you and me to movement, we don't understand the gospel. We've misunderstood the gospel. 1 Peter chapter 1 tells us that if we don't supplement our faith with virtues, if we don't grow in our faith, he says that we're blind, we're nearsighted, we're ineffective, we're unfruitful, and we forgot that we've even been saved from sin. We've got to remember the gospel and remember all that we've been saved from so that our response can be to say, Lord, I want to do your will today. I want to win over sin today. I want to grow in my faith today. I'm not going to lean on my my, my religious actions. But I'm going to lean on worship and I'm going to lean on the Holy Spirit to lead me. I'm going to ask for every head to be bowed and every eye to be closed. We get a chance to worship this morning through our communion. So I want to make sure that we have time for that. <clears throat> but I want to ask you this this morning. Two questions. One, are you walking in the Holy Spirit of God today? Can you say with confidence that that you are living and walking in alignment with the Holy Spirit of God in your life? Or would you say this morning that, man, it's an awful lot of human effort. It's a whole lot of discipline, a lot of human effort, a lot of grit in your teeth and just grinding it out, but maybe not as much walking in the Spirit and seeking Him. And then lastly, I want to ask you, are you living according to the will of God in your life? Are you growing in your faith? Are you letting the Holy Spirit move you? Are you letting the Holy Spirit work on these sins to get them out, to grow you to love in this affection of God? Maybe you're here today and you just need to make a decision to say, listen, i got to start growing in my faith. But it's not about I need to grow. It's you need the Holy Spirit to go before you to do this work in your life. Father, I pray that in our response time that you would move us, that you would lead us, that as we would leave here today, we would know that your will for our life is to grow in our faith, to be sanctified, to win over sin, that we might say just what Jesus said to you, that we've come to do your will, not our own. Give us the humility that it takes to relinquish our own rights and to give our life over to you once and for all. Pray it in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to audio from Emanuel Baptist Church, located in Billings, Montana. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Emanuel, please visit us online at www.myemanuel.net.